All right, let's open up our Bibles to Luke chapter number 8. Luke chapter 8, and we'll begin in verse number 19. Just have a small little passage to cover today, but I believe a lot can be said about it. We're going to talk about Jesus and his thoughts on the family. So the title of the message is Jesus on the Family. And if we were to ask him to say something about it, to teach us some lessons, and wouldn't that be a lesson you'd want to make sure you're present for, right? When Jesus makes a statement about family and how to approach it, I believe we're going to learn some things about that here. Verse number 19, Luke 8, verse number 19. The Bible says, Then came to him his mother and his brethren, and could not come at him for the press. Now that's not like the media and like the news outside. That's the, a, a big amount of people there in the room. And it was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to see thee. And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. That being said, let's bow our heads together and let's pray ask for God's help. Father, as we dive into the Scripture now, we are eager to be fed. Lord, help us to turn our ears on. We want to have ears to hear. And Lord, not what we want to hear, but what you want us to hear. Feed us this morning. Please fill me with your spirit. And I pray you might move amongst us, touch our hearts. And Lord, let us leave this place better than when we came. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, if you were there in that building that day, what would you have learned? If you had seen this take place, let, let, let your mind drift back Imagine that we have assembled into a small structure, probably somebody's home. There's Jesus standing in one of the corners, and He has begun to teach. And as He's teaching, people begin to crowd into the building. As was probably common, there were people maybe standing outside, looking in the window, just trying to hear what the Master has to say. The crowd converges and constantly grows, and Maybe you ask, well, what is he teaching on? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I don't care what he's talking about. I want to hear it. Amen. Some soldiers were, went, uh, they, they were sent to arrest Jesus. They came back empty-handed. And when the Pharisees said, what's going on? Why didn't you bring him back? They said, never man spake like this man. <laughs> so we, we just heard him preach for a few minutes and we, we couldn't bring ourselves to touch him. Never man spake like this man. Jesus is going on and teaching His lesson. And then, as we've seen, some people politely interrupt the lesson. Verse 20, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to see thee. Imagine at this point, if Jesus had stopped and said, Oh, folks, time to take a break. Uh, give me just a few minutes, let me go outside and tend to my family, and I'll be right back. Now, if he had done that, imagine what lessons we would learn from that. That would probably influence the way we prioritize family and the things of God and other things in our life, potentially. But that's not what happened. He didn't handle it that way. You know, sometimes they say actions speak louder than words, and I think we all know that's true. Instinctively, we know that's true. Sometimes non-action can speak pretty loud. Last night, I didn't go to any place where 
you find, uh, you know, sinful things going on. Last night, I, I didn't look at things you shouldn't look at on the internet. Last, last night, there's lots of things I didn't do. And, and the things you don't do can sometimes speak quite loudly. What Jesus didn't do here actually speaks loudly. If we were there that day, in that room, what lessons do we learn from Jesus on the family? Now, I have three points today, but in honest truth, it's actually just two. We're going to start with point one and then move on to point two. We're going to come back, circle back to the point, but I believe it's worth circling back on. So, first of all, let me tell you something I think that we're not learning from this passage. Forgive me for all the negatives, but yellow met the Afrikaans, yellow hobaya on the negatives, right? The knee, right? Ek prat knee, Afrikaans knee. You guys love the knee, knee, knee. So you'll, you'll bear with my negatives here. You do not learn that family is not important. Are you following me? You wouldn't walk away from this and immediately assume, oh, okay, because Jesus reacted this way to his mother and his unbelieving brothers, by the way. Unbelieving brothers. His mother and brothers are seeking him. Jesus did not stop the service to go out. You wouldn't just jump to the conclusion Jesus is against family or family is not important. Quite, quite the opposite. Jesus would later prove to us how important family is. And I cannot stress that point enough. I want to be abundantly clear. It is difficult to explain just how important family is in our lives. Jesus did not rebuke his mother and his brothers, right? He didn't say, shame on them, how dare they interrupt the service. He didn't rebuke them for coming to talk to him. When we read, at, when we get to the story of the cross, we know that Jesus was hanging there on the cross for six hours and in the midst of that time, at one point, Mary, his mother, is there. And the only other apostle that made his way back, they all forsook him in the garden, the only one that came all the way back and was there at the cross was the apostle John. And in John chapter 19, we have the story where Jesus says, woman, behold thy son. He says to John, behold thy mother. Jesus, in that excruciating pain, took a moment to make sure his mom was going to be okay. Jesus, as the older brother of that family, it falls to him to make sure that mom, we assume by this point that Joseph had already passed away, so it falls to the elder brother to take care of mom as she gets older. Jesus is going back to heaven now. So John, you take care of her. Treat her like your mother, and mom, you take care of him like a son. So we know that family is incredibly important to Jesus. We, we also see this when we go all the way back to the very first page of the Bible. First two or three pages, we start to see a wonderful picture of priorities being drawn. When God creates everything, right, He makes man, and then He brings forth the woman out of the womb of the man, hence the word woman, out of the womb. And the very first relationship we have after this creation is a man and his wife. Now watch, the order of the creation will also tell us the order of our priorities. The, the most important relationship in your life, we're talking your earthly, physical, natural life, is between a man and his wife. Your marriage. What comes next? In, in the creative story, what comes next? Children. You know what's the next most important relationship? Children. What would come after that? 
After that, eventually, right, eventually, distant relatives. Uams, Tanis, Niachis, Niafis, Hala Omo. Then you get the whole crowd. In Chichewa, we would just say, Iwo, them. <laughs> distant relatives. And, and along with distant relatives, at the same time, fellow workmates. Right? Now, notice how the priority of our relationships is built into the creative order. Marriage, children, distant relatives, workmates. And after that, if you just think this through, what would have come next? After society grows, you have to think about a government and just general society. How to create a peaceful, quiet, safe environment. Then you need to worry about your relationship with your community. So God has given us this creative order, and at the top of that order, you're going to find family, marriage, and kids. Incredibly important. Listen carefully, if you would. I want to give you a few verses and a few thoughts about family. Jesus, one time, when they, they were accusing him of casting out devils through Beelzebub. You guys remember that? And he said, that, that's silly, because if Satan cast out Satan, how does his kingdom stand? And in, the, in saying that, he actually breaks the world into three parts. He said, a nation, if, if a nation is divided against itself, it cannot stand. A amen? Right, that's true. And then he talks about a city, if a city is divided, and then it talks about a home. Nations are built out of cities, and cities are made up of homes. You see, Jesus is, is quite aware that in the home it's important not to be divided. So Jesus does emphasize this. Just listen carefully. Psalm 127, the Bible says, Lo, children are in heritage from the Lord. He, he gave those children to you. Even if you weren't expecting them. And the fruit of the womb is His reward, not a punishment. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Can I, can I just be careful to tell you here, everybody has a different size quiver. Not everybody's quiver is big enough to hold 12 kids. So some people have a very small quiver. That's fine. Figure out how big your quiver is. But happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. They shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Family will take care of family. Psalm 128, the next chapter says, about a man that fears the Lord, thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. A man who fears God is blessed with a fruitful family. With, with a family that likes to sit around the table together and enjoys those intimate moments. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, the Bible says, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Many times I've read that verse and people raise an eyebrow because it says if you find a wife, you find a good thing. <laughs> Some of you were already on to that. You're like, yeah, yeah, Brother Mike, yeah, I know that verse. I know that's right. She's a piece of work. <laughs> found myself a good thing. <laughs> the, the, listen, the thing you found was not the person. She's a person, not a thing. The thing you found was a marriage. See, that's, what you, that's the thing. 
Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. You found a marriage and you have obtained favor from the Lord. Ecclesiastes 9, Solomon writes, Live joyfully. Listen to this biblical command. Memorize it. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity. Solomon repeated it twice. <laughs> Emphasis. Listen to what he says next. For that is thy portion in this life and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun. Life can be very vexing, yes, very frustrating. Isn't that what Solomon tells us throughout the book of Ecclesiastes? Vanity, vexation of spirit. He says, listen, the world's going to be tough. If you're married, enjoy it. That marriage, that's your portion. God's given you something to get you through this useless life. Amen. Live joyfully. And it may take work, but it's work you need to do because it's important. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul uses the Old Testament and says, Honor thy father and mother. Amen. Kids. Anybody under the age of 18, just look up here right now. Honor thy father and thy mother. Now, does that apply to kids? Yes, but even after you leave the house, you can still honor father and mother, be respectful. In the passage, Paul is talking to the younger children that are expected to obey their parents. After kids move out of the house, they are no longer obligated to obey mom and dad, but they are obligated to honor mom and dad. Mom and dad took care of you when you were a little helpless baby and could not feed yourself and change your diapers. Right? They changed your diapers. You couldn't do that. You couldn't feed yourself. They did that. One day, the roles will be reversed. Mom and dad won't be able to feed themselves and they <laughs> might need some help with them diapers. <laughs> Honor them. Be respectful. It's important. You know what Paul said? He noted this. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Out of the list of the Ten Commandments, this is the first one where God said, if you do this, here's how I'm going to bless you for it. Here's the blessing. He said that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. That it may be well with thee. Is family important? It seems like God really is emphasizing it. 1 Timothy 5, verse number 8. But if any provide not for his own... And especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Even an unbeliever knows that we are responsible to take care of our own. Even an infidel knows that. It is instinctive in us. The point is so obvious that family is important. As I was preparing for this message this morning, I, I went online and I was looking for good quotes about the strength of the family. And I know they're out there. I must have looked at at least a hundred and I thought, no, that's not good enough. That's not strong enough. Nah, that's not quite it. Not quite it. You know what I found? It was, it was my inability to properly express how deep that love and bond of the family goes. That shows you how important it is. That I just couldn't find the words to explain how special family is and should be. So one thing I want to point out about this passage, Jesus is not saying that family is not important. We should still walk away thinking family is important. I think there's a high likelihood that as soon as Jesus was done with this sermon, he probably went straight outside to say hello. 
right? Because family is still important. But another thing I think we would learn from it, verse number 20, thy mother, thy brethren stand without. Verse 21, he answered and said unto them, my mother, my brethren are these. So here's the second lesson. What does Jesus consider family? How does he define it? What is it limited to? What does it take to be considered part of his family? I don't know about you, but I want to be part of that. I don't want to be on the outside of that. What does he consider to be family? Obviously, listen, blood relation. I, I, you don't need me to explain that. You know that's true. But when you look under the, in, the in the dictionary about family, it says this, a group of people united by certain convictions, common affiliations, common characteristics, common behaviors. Common behaviors. We share something in common. In this passage, what is it? This group, he says, they hear the Word of God and do it. That is our common conviction. We are concerned about what does God say and let's go do something about it. How many of you, when it comes time for family stuff, you want to do things together, right? Have you ever been to family reunions where everybody's just sitting around just kind of looking at each other and having the same old conversations they've always had? It's always nice when there's something that the whole family can do together. It just allows us to create memories, yes? It, they, they are bonding moments and all of us need that. You know, gold medal, if you could have the best of the best of the best situations to have a family that is happy together, loves each other, doing the will of God together. Doing what God told us to do in Scripture together. I don't think there's any better bonding moment than that. Family is not limited to your blood relatives. It goes deeper than that. We have a common characteristic. In, in Matthew's Gospel and in Mark's Gospel, we have the same story. Jesus, well, let me say it's, it's worded a little different in those Gospels. Rather than saying, hear the Word of God and do it, Jesus says there, those that will do the will of my Father in heaven, those are my mothers and brothers and sisters. And, and that teaches us something. What is the will of God? It is to hear the Word of God and do it. That is what we have in common. I'm so glad this next statement is true. You cannot choose your blood relatives, right? They are who they are. And therefore, we're not going to hold you accountable for that. <laughs> we're not going to hold it against you. Right? I mean, you just happen to end up in that family. That's not your fault. But these people, these people that hear the Word of God and do it, that's a choice you make. And that speaks loudly about you. That says something about you. They want to hear the Word of God and do it. What does it take to be counted part of Jesus' family? Can I, I'm going to get deep on you just for a moment. At this particular point, nobody was born again. Are we good with that statement? Nobody was born again at this point in time and in history because Jesus had not died yet. The Holy Spirit had not come down. That's something that starts in, in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit coming down and giving people the new birth. So you understand now when somebody receives Christ, they are born again, and now we share one heavenly Father, right? So in that sense, we've been adopted by the same Father. We are joint heirs with Christ. Praise God. We are in the same family. We have that spiritual connection. But we learn something from this passage about what it takes to become born again. 
The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, help me out, what do you have to confess? The Lord Jesus, not just Jesus. Listen to what you confess. The Lord Jesus. If you come to Jesus, you say, Jesus, I know you laid down your life, you paid for my sins, you became the sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice for my sins, and I trust you today as my Savior. If you come to Him with that, listen, you're, that sounds good, but if the next thing out of your mouth is, I want you to save me, I want that free gift of eternal life, but I have no plans at all of doing what you taught me to do. I'm sorry, but I cannot, I cannot accept the fact that that person is saved. Because they are coming negotiating. All right, Jesus, so what are you offering? He says, I'm offering the whole show. I want you to be in my family. I want to be your Savior, Master, Lord, King, everything. When you receive Jesus, He isn't a buffet. You, you don't get to come and negotiate and say, I'll take the Savior part, keep the Lord. <laughs> keep that out. No, no, no. You come to Jesus Christ and I want to be saved. There, there needs to be, and I'm not afraid to, to deal with this issue, there needs to be repentance. That is a change of mind, a change of heart that says, I'm tired of the way that I am. I want to be the way He desires me to be. I need Him to save me not just from hell, not just from the penalty of my sins, not just from some problems in my life. I need a new master. Sin has been my master up until now. I want the Lord Jesus Christ to be my master from this day forward. That man is coming to Jesus to be saved. I think of the Apostle Paul when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. You remember? Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he, he, who is... I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. You know what, what Saul ends up saying? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? That's what a saved man sounds like. He got saved right there because right then and there he said, I've been doing it the Jewish way. Maybe we can say he's following Moses, but now Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. This is the person that Jesus brings into the family and says, the guy who comes and wants a new life. That's what being born again is all about. The other life you had didn't work out. You died in trespasses and sins. It didn't work out. You come and say, I want a new one. I want the life that comes down from heaven, not the one that comes from my mom and dad all the way back to Adam. I want the one from on high. I want to be born of God, not of this world. You come to God saying, I'm willing to hear, but I'm not willing to do. What did James tell us about that? Be not deceived. He said not to deceive yourselves. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. It's not enough to hear it. It's not enough to say that's a great story about Jesus dying. I believe that He died for me. There has to be a, a desire deep down to say, okay, I'm changing. Now let's be careful. There's not a one of us, no matter how strong your desire is, not a one of us, can walk out of this building and go, okay, I'm going to do everything, he says, without fail. Guys, let's not set ourselves up for failure here. I'm not talking about you have to fix every sinful problem in your life and then God will accept you. I'm not saying that. Repentance is not stopping all of your bad, starting all this good stuff, and then Jesus saves you. That's not repentance. 
Repentance is a change of heart, a change of mind to say from now on, I don't want to sin. From now on, I want to be obedient to my Lord and to my Savior. I think Jesus would have, if you were in that room that day, you would have walked out knowing there are certain qualifications to enter that family. I've got to take God seriously. I've got to be ready to do His will. One last thing I want to point out, like I said, I'm kind of circling back. Jesus did not teach us that family is not important. But I would have learned this if, had I been sitting there that day. The will of God and the Word of God are more important than family. The will of God and the Word of God are more important than family. Take your Bible. Hold this if you'd like, but you can get Ephesians chapter 5. Matter of fact, you, yeah, keep, keep Luke. We'll come right back. I want, you to, I want you to see something here in Ephesians chapter 5. And, and a couple pages to the right of that, you have Colossians chapter 3. I, I'd like for you guys to compare these. And I know I've got uh, several places going here at once, but I hope this will be helpful to you. Hearing, hearing the Word and doing the Word comes before family. Did you know that in the Word, it will tell you to take care of your family? So, so you understand, I'm not saying if you're going to obey the Bible, that means ignore your family. If you obey the Bible, you will properly take care of your family. But do not allow family to derail you from the will of God. Don't use them as an excuse for not obeying God. They are not the trump card to say, well, if I didn't have family in town or if I didn't have family obligations, then I... No, no. Hearing and doing the Word of God comes before family. In Ephesians chapter 5, let me show you this. Look at verse 22. For the sake of time, I'm only going to bounce quickly through this. Wives, submit yourselves. You see that? All right, look at verse 25. Husbands, Love your wives. Look at chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents. Look at verse 4. Fathers, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Do you see the order? Marriage, children, family, right? And then work, verse 5. Servants, be obedient to your masters. And then verse 9. And ye masters, do the same. Do you see the order? Right? Now, hold Ephesians 5, look at Colossians 3, verse 18. Colossians 3, two books to the right, verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives. Verse 20, children, obey your parents. 21, fathers, provoke not your children. 22, servants, obey in all things. Chapter 4, verse 1, masters, give unto your servants. You see the order is the same? See how Paul did that? Watch this now. Keep looking. Go back to Ephesians 5. Keep Colossians. Ephesians 5, 18. What comes before wives, husbands, children, fathers, work? What comes before it? Verse 18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Before you ever get to the family or to the workplace, you better get full of God. 
He comes first. Look at what he says next in verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are evidences of being filled with the Spirit. Now look at Colossians chapter 3. You'll see it again here, verse number 16. Before you get to wives, husbands, and etc., verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What did he say in Ephesians? Be filled with the Spirit. Now what do you need to be full of here? The word of Christ. There's how you get filled with the Spirit. You get filled with the Word. You get filled with the Word and you start doing the Word. And once you start doing the Word, then your family starts to see it and now you start to do this together and a bond be begins to, to form that is so strong. He says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Look at what he says next. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Do you see how that's exactly what Ephesians was saying? The one difference here is be filled with the Spirit, be filled with the Word. If, you're, if you don't put those things first, then what comes next in the passage, you're not going to be able to maintain. Hearing and doing the Word is more important than family because it will prepare you for the family. It will make you into that family member, mom, dad, child, whatever the case is that you need to be. Without it, you will not fit properly. Your family cannot have the preeminence. Colossians chapter 1 says, In all things, Jesus Christ must have the preeminence. Don't let family members who you should love, don't let them take his spot. Remember earlier, I gave you the created order, right? I told you the marriage comes first, then kids. Remember that? Then distant relatives, workmates. Remember that? What was the very first relationship that ever existed? Not the marriage. The first relationship was with God. There was Adam and there was God. That's your first relationship. And if that doesn't come right, then the rest of them are going to suffer. Come back to the book of Luke now. What do we learn about the family from Jesus these are, now we are in Luke chapter 8 today. You can come to Luke 9 and look with me at verse number 59. We are obviously going to come to these verses in the near future. So I'm not going to expound them in any, in any way now, but I want to read them to you so that you can see from the mouth of Jesus where he thinks family falls as it relates to God as it relates not just to a relationship with God, but serving God. Watch this, Luke 9, verse 59. He said unto another, follow me. This is Jesus saying it to this man. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Man, I would let him bury the father. Verse 60, Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Wow. We'll learn more about that when we get to it. 
Is he saying that your family's not important? No. He's just saying, you have a calling from me. And that's more important. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 50, 51. Jesus says, Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. For from henceforth, from, from here on out, there shall be five in one house, divided. Three against two, two against three. Verse 53, the father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against everybody. No, I'm kidding. The mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Jesus says, listen, I, it is not his will to create division. He doesn't want division, but he knows the reality of it. Not everybody is going to be excited about hearing the Word of God and doing it. There will be Sunday mornings where one spouse wakes up ready to go to church and the other spouse says, not today, I just don't feel like it. Where one spouse says, let's pray and read, the other one says, let's turn on the TV. There's going to be times like that and sometimes the division is going to be so strong that you will not be able to coexist in the same area with that person. And what's the dividing factor? Jesus Christ. The Word of God and doing it. Listen, a lot of the times they don't mind if you believe the Bible as long as you don't talk about it. As long as you don't do it in their presence because then they'll be under conviction. Just keep your mouth shut. Keep the family peace. Jesus said, I came to bring division. So why are we so bent on making the family peaceful at the expense of walking and serving God? Walking with God and serving God. Hearing and doing comes before family. Luke chapter 14. If those two passages weren't strong enough, Luke 14 verse 26. Jesus said, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Folks, today you have come to a Bible-believing church. We, we believe that verse is, 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 it means exactly what it says. Hate, listen, hate in the biblical way that the word hate is used, we're not talking about an anger and a bitterness towards them. We're talking about to love the one, right, is to exalt that one, put them at the top of the list, and thereby the others are put second, third, and on down. So you love this and hate the other. Hating is not putting them first. Jesus says, if you're going to come to me, I'm first. It doesn't mean you treat the others poorly. It means I come first. Watch this. What did he say at the end of verse 26? You have to hate your own life also. Your dreams, your wishes, your plans come second. The will of God's first. Not my will, thine be done, right? Amen to that. How do you find your life? Jesus said, if you lose your life, you'll find it. You want to find a fulfilling, satisfying, contented life? Then give up on trying to do it your way. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Give up on that and say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And in so doing, you find real life, a satisfying life, a life worth living. You know what you need to do? 
take your family, bring them to the altar and put them there. And say, all right, I give it up. Lord, I will order my life and put my priorities in, in the order that you gave me. Family comes second. Will of God comes first. By giving them up, you know what you'll do? By losing your family, you'll gain them. Because you will gain the family atmosphere that God desired for you to have. It'll be the family God intended. What your home and what your workplace needs the most. Say so they need a loving father, loving mother. Yes, but beyond that, more than that, they need a dad, a mom that loves God and fears God beyond anything else in their life that will put God before that individual. In the Old Testament, we have an example of where this went wrong. The high priest Eli in 1 Samuel chapter 2. His boys, Hophni and Phinehas, were some wicked young men treating people poorly at the temple and corrupt and committing fornication there at the temple. Just some horrible boys. God came to Eli and said, Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering? Why do you take it lightly? Why do you just kick it aside like it's no big deal? He said, I have commanded you to do those things in my habitation. You're honoring your sons above me. This is a rebuke that God gave the high priest. You're putting your family before me. I'll tell you somebody who got it right. We read in the book of Genesis about this man Abraham. God comes to him and says, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. God came to Abraham and said, Put me first. Say goodbye to your family. You know what Abraham did? He, he obeyed. You know that family was important to Abraham. They couldn't have a child, right? Abraham prayed and prayed, God, give me a child. Abraham wanted it so bad, he tried a shortcut. Come on, Hagar. Here comes Ishmael. And Abraham loves Ishmael. Genesis 21, Sarah says, send Ishmael away. He's mocking my little boy, Isaac. Abraham said, no, I love this boy. God came to Abraham and said, send him away. And as if, as if that wasn't enough, he's already said goodbye to distant relatives, Genesis 12. Said goodbye to his firstborn son, Genesis 22, or 20, uh, 21 rather. In Genesis 22, the Lord comes to Abraham to tempt him, to test him. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. The will of God before family. Put your Isaac on the altar. Your actual literal Isaac. God is essentially saying, Abraham, it's okay that you love your son, but you need to love me more. You said, Brother Mike, if I were to do this, then my family would get offended and it would destroy the relationship with them. Okay, granted, yes, that is a possibility. But, but can I also give you some hope in this? Jesus' brothers, two of them end up saved after the resurrection. 
they were not offended that Jesus was busy about the Father's business and said, guys, I can't talk right now. I'm busy serving my Father. You doing the will of God is the best thing you can do to minister to your family. Lest you think that this is something easy for me to say, can I just tell you, my family is in town. My firstborn and her husband and our grandchildren are in South Africa. You know, they live in America, but they've come to South Africa. We're going to see them in a couple of days. I cannot tell you how my heart yearns to be around them. I'm a grandpa. Ekkes a jong pa, maar opa. Op diezelfde tijd, maar... I didn't know how much I loved my kids until they left. I knew I loved them. Now that I don't see them every day. Amy, our 13-year-old, our she gets a lot of hugs. <laughs> All the ones that the other two aren't getting right now. I love those kids. Yesterday, my son turned 23. I love that boy. When I was back on furlough last year, I was sitting in Megan's house and Steon and they were, we were chatting and Steon said, said, Dad, we're praying that God brings you out of South Africa to move back to America so we can all be here together. Well, that made me feel good. He knows he's wrong. <laughs> He, he said it, he was serious, but also he, the next thing he said was this. They said, as much as we would like to have you and mom, and we'd love to have you guys here, as much as we'd like that, we're even happier that you are there in the will of God. We're happier knowing that you're doing just what God wants you to do. This isn't an easy sermon for me to preach because I'd very much like for Jesus to have interrupted the church service and said, bring the family in and put the... I'd very much like to do that. But the idea of putting my family second, as difficult as it is, it's very much worth it. Perhaps today, what you need to do is just like Abraham, come to the altar and say, God, I love my family, but you first. Hearing the Word of God and doing it, that's going to be my main priority. That's the best thing I can do for my family. You first. Let's all stand, if you would, please. Heads bowed, eyes closed. We'll have the pianist come and play something softly and Folks, perhaps you need a moment at the altar. Some are coming. If you need a moment to come and pour out your heart to God, you can do that. I cannot, I, I repeat now, I cannot explain to you how important family is. I do not want to belittle that. But Jesus taught us something in this passage. Family is not more important than hearing and doing the Word of God.
might be a good opportunity, moms and dads. Maybe you should come to the altar together. Husbands and wives. Just come and commit your marriage and your kids to the Lord and say, we, we want to be a good marriage and a good home. But we want to love God supremely. This is a good time to tell each other how much you love each other. I told my daughter during this furlough, I love you and I want to make you happy, but never at the expense of God's will. That was hard to say. I want to give her everything that would make her smile. But what she needs most is a God-fearing, God-obeying dad. Husbands, the best thing you could do for your wife is be a good Christian. Parents, the best example you could set for your kids is to be a good Christian. Don't let family steal you away from obeying the Bible. They come to town unexpectedly, invite them to church. Follow the steps of Christ, follow his example. You could tell them, let me introduce you to my other family members. Got about 150 of them down there at the church. Perhaps you're here today and you're not sure that you're part of Christ's family. If you've never been born again today, we invite you. We, we love for you to join our family. You know what it requires from you? J just a sincere heart that says, God, I've tried it my way and I'm wrong. And now I want to come to you through your son. Jesus died for you, was buried and rose again. His blood can wash away all your sins and grant you access into the family of God. If you've never been saved, you can walk out of the building today with Christ in your heart. He is the resurrection and the life. So in a moment we'll close. I'm going to pray and as I pray, I just want to know is there anybody here? Just listen, no one's looking. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Say, Pastor, I don't, I don't think I've ever been saved. I'm not sure I'm in Christ's family. Pray for me. My, my prayer won't save you. I'm just asking God to help you. 
Anybody like that? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Anybody like that this morning? I'm not sure I'm in the family. Thank you. I appreciate that. I see that hand. Anyone else? Pastor, pray for me. It's my desire to hear and do what God says. Anybody like that? Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you today that as we look up to heaven, we can call you Father. We can call the Lord Jesus Christ our elder brother. Lord, I pray for the, for the ones here this morning that are not sure they're in that family. Lord, might this be the day they go from death unto life. And Father, I pray for the many families, the many marriages represented here. God, help us to be the husbands and wives, to have the homes and the workplaces you want by putting you first. Lord God, we want you to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Lord, thank you for the lessons you've given us. How you handled yourself that day gives us some direction for how to behave in our homes and in our lives. We love you, Lord. Help us as we dismiss to go about proving that. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.